this up here. Oh, it's the wrong picture. That one, yeah. Yep. Ah, it's a lovely photo. Someone took that for us up in Gladstone. I think it was Gladstone. No, not Gladstone. Mackay. Yeah, I was actually pretty surprised. This is my wife's computer. I was pretty surprised to open up her computer this morning and uh, there was a picture of me on it. It's quite a nice surprise. <laughs> um, well, g'day. Good to see you guys. Um, this morning when I, was, I saw that um, the woman asking for help on Facebook was funny because I kind of sat back and I thought about this little church. I was sort of imagining us all sitting in here. But I, when I imagined it, I actually imagined it like the outside of the building. It's this beautiful white and the, you know, that spring sun's hitting it. And you can barely see the detail and it's so bright white. That's how I imagine the inside. Um, at the building as I was just thinking, you know, like, as I said, oh, you know, we live in a little town in Dirrimbandi in Queensland, in Australia, and we're Sunday here in Australia, and we're going to be praying for you with our little church. And uh, it's funny because it's not like that in here. I got in here today, and I was like, oh, gee, she's looking a bit tired. But <laughs> it's not the building, it's you guys. And, you know, I don't talk to everyone a year, every week, like have a big, long, deep and meaningful conversation. But, man, every week I'm here, I just feel that amazing home, that amazing bright white light. And that's you guys and, um, and Jesus and God. And, and that he's here, not because of the buildings here, because we're here together. And, uh, oh, what a... What a special thing it is to, um, yeah, to have a friend in Jesus and just to be able to come here and to know you guys is yeah, a real blessing for me and it's the highlight of my week without a doubt. Um, so what are we looking at this week? Um, we're looking at 1 John 18 to 23. And when I first pulled that up, I thought, oh, there's just, I want that little bit more. There's just a little bit more, but there's actually quite a lot in this. I wanted to verse 26, I think it was, but... There's quite a lot in, uh, in 1 John. So it'd be a good idea if, if you've got a Bible or if you've got a phone or tablet or something like that, feel free to get it open. It might help you start, um, follow me a bit if you um, have it there to look at. Um, but before we go through, I just wanted to quickly just do a quick overview of John um, and then remind you, for some of you, it may have been a while since you've read it, but it's a little book. It's a tiny book between 2 John and 2 Peter. And it's only about two pages in most books. Um, it was written by the Apostle John, and he um, saw Jesus do his thing. He's a part of Jesus' ministry, and he saw Jesus heal people. He saw Jesus um, take demons out of people. He saw Jesus heal people. He saw Jesus die, um, and he actually saw Jesus ascend into heaven. Um, but he also saw him rise from the dead. Right? So he first had first-hand experience. So that gives him a lot of authority in what he's writing here. Okay. Um, it's a really important letter. So 1 John's a really important letter for you as believers. Um, it's an incredibly important letter for the church. All right? um, and I'd encourage you at some point to go and read the whole book from front to back, which is two pages, it'll take you about 10 minutes. And I really want you to take what we're looking at today, and I want you to infer, like, so I want you to look between the lines 
of what issues John's addressing and what are the conversations that would have been around that and some of the sermons that may have been preached. Okay, I would love you to, to do it. It's, a, it's an amazing book when you look at it, understand the background to it. So the background of the letter was that the uh, false teachers had entered the early church and they were do- denying that Jesus was God. They were um, denying essentially this is the third part of the Trinity and that he became, he was, became fully human and fully God. Um, we also know that Gnostics were a part of the early church and um, they'd infiltrated it left, right and centre and that they were trying to teach that Jesus was just merely a spiritual being and that he didn't really come in the flesh as both man and God. So he was just, at best, he was just a spiritual being like a prophet Muhammad or a Buddha or something like that. That's what they were saying about Jesus. Um, we know that's not true, but it was believed to have been originally written for a number of Gentile churches and it was most likely written from Ephesus. Okay. Um, what was the main purpose of the letter that John was writing? Well, it was to correct that serious error in teaching by false teachers. And it was a reminder and confirmation of God's truth, not man's truth. Um, and it was to encourage believers to stick to the truth that they know. Um, so where are we up to? Um, well, um, Rob and uh, Derek have been taking us through most of the first two chapters. I'm just going to almost finish the second chapter. Um, and we're almost halfway through the whole letter. So we're not even a full page in. Um, we're going to be yeah, really close to finishing that off today, though. So what does the verse say? I'm going to read to you. 1 John 18 to 23. So you'll... Uh, one, one John, one John two, eighteen to twenty three. Yep. So, someone's very kindly added in numbers so we can find our way in the Bible. But the other thing they added in was warning against denying the Son. So, although it's to be taken with a grain of salt, certainly gives us a bit of an idea of what's going on. Dear children, this is the last hour. As you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it's the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist and denies the Father and the Son. And no one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. When you first look at these verses, these verses can be a bit complicated to understand. Um, You've got to remember it wasn't written in English and it's been translated in English not once but multiple times. Um, and it's good to know the background to what was actually happening to the church so we can gain a bit more understanding about what they were saying to the church and what that then says to us in our modern church. So I'm going to break them down verse by verse. I can hear Danny saying, yay, out the back. Um, she's not saying that. First verse says, Dear children, this is the last hour. And it's unusual language. 
Um, but we are currently living in the last hour, as the early church was. Um, so the last hour, it's that time between the last coming of Jesus and the next coming of Jesus. That's the end times, the last hour. And that's all that it's saying. Um, Jesus is going to come again. And um, as you've heard, the Antichrist is coming. So um, the Antichrist comes from the Greek word. Anyone that knows me knows I love language and I love words. Um, and so when I look up um, what the, the, or, the root words of Antichristos are, um, the root word for anti means against opposite. Um, as we know, you think about anti-seize, it means it's the opposite of seize, stop something seizing. And the root word for Christos means anointed. So it's saying Antichrist just means it's someone or something that's against the anointed one. Who's the anointed one? That's Jesus. So the Antichrist is coming, and this Antichrist here it's referring to, that we know from books like 2 Thessalonians and Revelation, it's the ultimate enemy to Christ. It's, it's the, um, the climactic Antichrist. All right. We don't know who that Antichrist is, or often referred to the man of sin, what he looks like, or that he will come, other than that he will come in the end times, which we're in. So is the early church. Next part of the verse says, even now many antichrists have come. So we've got the climactic antichrist, the ultimate antichrist. And then we've got these other antichrists that are kind of like um, a reflection. The antichrist is kind of like the opposite of Jesus. And the antichrists are kind of like the opposite of Christians. So we've got sort of like the good guys and the bad guys. All right. So the antichrists are just those who attempt to... Um, oppose Christ or that do oppose Christ and in the early church in particular they're infiltrating the early church and they intentionally distorted doctrine all right? um, and they were in an enmity with Jesus and God um, they're of human origin and they are people like false teachers and Gnostics all right, what are the Gnostics? Gnostics will teach you I'm trying to think of um, a lot of country towns have the fellas with the um, stonemasons and how they work is they get people in and they kind of got like, it's like judo or karate, so you've got belts, not belts, but there's levels. And um, the higher you get up, the more secret information they'll teach you. And the higher up you are, the more secret information you have. And you're, you're a higher, you know, more than all these other people. And that's what they were. They were, they were sort of creating this hierarchy within the church. Um, saying they had this like special wisdom that was additional to the gospel, that was additional to what um, Jesus had taught, which is additional to what the apostles had taught. Um, and it was for their fame and glory, not for Jesus's. Oop, wrong one. There we go. So they often intentionally lure Christians away from Christ. Um, and they were referred to as wolves in sheep clothing. We know, we know that term really well. Um, and they pervade damning lies. So the Antichrist, as I said before, it's like the opposite of Jesus. The ultimate Antichrist is the opposite of Jesus. And the Antichrists are like, much like we're little, we're little Christs, they're little Antichrists. Um, it's interesting to note, I thought anyway, that the only place you'll find the word Antichrist is in John's books, in the Bible. So this is how we know it is the last hour. So as I said before, it's also just saying it's the last days. It refers to the time between Jesus' first and last coming, as I said before. So they went out from us, but they didn't really belong to us. 
So the Antichrist or the false teachers were no strangers to the early church. They were a part of that group of believers and they were fellowshipping with them. They might have broken bread with them, gone to fellowship lunch, done all that stuff with the, um, the church that John's writing this letter to. They were a part of that church. And although they came from within that group of believers, they weren't really a true part of that body of Christ. Um, they were unbelievers and they weren't following Christ. So characteristics of the Antichrist um, include that includes that they are false teachers and deceivers um, and that they depart from the faithful and they deny that Jesus is Christ. So they deny that Jesus is the saviour and they often rise from within the church and leave true fellowship and they try and take people with them. You'll see it time and time again. Um, people that are really obeying God, if they don't agree with something the church is doing, they'll just go. But, the, but you'll often see the difference with the Antichrist is that they're not submitting to Christ and that they go, but they take people with them. They want to, they want to disrupt that church. They want to break that church down. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but their going showed that none of them belonged to us. Okay, so we're not told exactly why they left the church or body, but we're told that they did leave. And if they really belonged to that church and they'd been rebuked in love, they would have remained there. Why? Because they would have been overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit that was living within them and they would have turned away from their wrongdoing. They would have stayed within the church. Why? Because the Holy Spirit would have convicted them to overcome that. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. So true Christians, we're anointed with the Holy Spirit, unlike the Antichrists. And the Spirit guards believers from error and deception. Doesn't mean I'm not going to make mistakes. I make them every day. Ask my wife. Make plenty of them. But we have this guide in us that helps us to find our way back. All right? We have a compass, and that's Jesus, and that's the Holy Spirit, and that's God. So the Holy Spirit guides us to persevere for the truth and convicts us of our wrongdoings. These don't, those that don't do that, those that aren't filled with the Spirit, they remain in heresy and apostasy and they show that they are not genuinely born again. And I'm not saying make judgments on people. I'd never like to even consider whether someone has their salvation or not. But the people that aren't being transformed by the Holy Spirit, that are... Antichrists won't do the right thing because they're not convicted to do it. Going back to the group word apostasy, it really means apos away from and histomy where stastia comes from means stand. So they they literally were standing away. So they didn't get pushed out, they chose to stand away from the church. So to stand apart by your own departure. So these are the false teachers in that early church that John's writing this letter to. And the Gnostics, again, were just claiming that they had this special anointing that made them more special and more superior with more knowledge of the truth, which is a lie. And all of you know the truth. Because we have the Holy Spirit, we've received true teaching, just as they had from John and other good teachers, and were taught the truth of Jesus, they know what John was saying was correct. 
It's likely that John actually taught them the gospel message too and the truth about Jesus in the early church. Um, and John's really highlighting here um, that we're all anointed as believers. If we're true believers, we're anointed with the Spirit and he's elevating them back up to the same level because there's no levels in a church. Whereas the Gnostics are coming in and saying, oh, you're down there because I know all this. Well, that's not how it works. The pastor's no higher than you are. He has no more power in prayer than you do. We're all at the same level. It's not like in some thing where you get a green tip on your white belt in karate or something. We all have different roles within the church, but um, a a grain of salt and a boulder both sink. And that was a lie that they were being taught. And we see it in modern churches all the time. We believe like, oh, he's really spiritual and prays for 10 hours every day and da-da-da-da-da. But um, he might have a different role in church or if he's got a different role for God than what you do or I do. Or, and it doesn't matter. Um, we're all on this equal footing. We all have the same worth and value to Jesus. That's the truth. Those little lies creep in that make people think, oh, I'm not as valuable as they are. Or they're more valuable than me, but it's a lie. Doesn't matter whether you're sweeping the mud off the front steps or you're down the front preaching or whatever it is, there's no more value in anyone else. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and because no lie comes from the truth. So John's encouraging them in their faith and his belief in them as spirit-filled believers, as followers and listeners of the true Christ and the truth. He's not saying, be my disciple. He's saying, you are Jesus' disciple and you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You are faulty, but it's perfect. And I trust in him. He is in you. So I know that he's doing his work in you. Next he says, who's the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. That's pretty self-explanatory. There are lots of cults out there that will tell you that they're Christians. There's lots of people out there that will tell you they're Christians. There's lots of people... It'll tell you that they believe in God. Um, but Jesus says it. He says, you, gotta, you want to get to God, you've got to come through me. No one knows the Father. No one gets to the Father except through me. So let's read it again. It says, Dear children, this is the last hour. So it's the final times. And as you've heard, the ultimate Antichrist is coming. And even now, many of his little followers, the little Antichrists, have come, the false teachers, the false prophets. This is how we know it's the end times, because we've been told. They went out from us, but they didn't really belong to us. We know that they didn't belong to us, because if they belonged to us, they would have remained with us, and they would have been overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit and transformed into doing the right thing. Why? Because they were real Christians anointed with the Holy Spirit just like we are. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. They could go away from us. Why? Because they didn't belong to us. Alright? So they've been rebuked. 
This isn't people that are coming and going from the church or moving in and out of doing bandy. They were standing at the pulpit, they were in the Bible studies, and they were teaching lies about Jesus. They were, they were confronted with the truth, and they left. All right, But you have an anointing from the Holy Spirit, and all of you know the truth. I don't write this letter to you because you don't know it, because you do know it, and you know that no lie comes from the truth. Who's the liar then? We can assume that he's, John's been called a liar, or maybe the pastor, or one of the elders, or one of the believers that confronted the false teacher was called a liar. So he says, who's the liar then? You make up your minds. Is it? It is whoever denies that Jesus is Christ. That's the person that's the Antichrist. They deny Christ, and they're denying the Father as well as the Son. Why are they denying the Father and the Son? Because no one who denies the Son has the Father. You can't have God, you can't know God if you don't know Jesus. And anything that says otherwise is a lie. Alright? The world will tell you that you can have God and not have Jesus. And it's a lie. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So what does the actual gospel look like? Without the truth to Jesus. Well, it's the anti-gospel. We've got the anti-Christ. We've got the anti-Christians. And this is the anti-gospel. God doesn't want a fellowship with us. He wants to separate. He wants to be separate from us. And he doesn't want us in heaven. Look at every false god you can think of. Think about magic monkey. Monkey magic? Monkey magic. Any of those TV shows where they show these gods living up in the clouds, okay? They're separate from us. They're better than us. They choose when they come down to see us. That's the anti-gospel. It's a lie. Our sin and imperfection does not separate us from God. And we don't need to change. You be you, whoever you are. Jesus didn't die on the cross. He didn't die for your sin. He didn't rise from the dead. He was not the Christ. He was just a man. A prophet at best, a learner at the worst with a saviour complex. All right? He's just a, he was just a special guy. There are so many different ways to heaven. I remember my mum telling me one day, quoting a line for the Bible, and she said in an angry voice, some, what was the verse? Um, the Father's house has many rooms. The Father's house has many roots. Mum, there's only one way to heaven and that's through Jesus Christ. There are many ways to heaven. You don't need God to get to heaven. You just have to be good in this world and God will save you. Live your life as long as you do good, as long as you aren't evil, as long as your deeds outweigh any lie or wrongdoing you might have done, you'll be right, mate. That's, that's the anti-gospel. That's what the world tells us. This is written how long ago? And he's calling out that. That's what he's calling out, the anti-gospel. John's calling out people that are lying, and it's still relevant today. Because everyone that has some kind of spiritual thing, whether they're your acupuncturist, and I'm not saying they're wrong with acupuncture, but whether it's your acupuncturist or your Buddhist mate or whatever, love them to death. 
But be aware that is not the truth. Because the real gospel says God wants us to be in heaven with him. The real gospel says our sin separates us from God. The real gospel says Christ died on the cross as the only worthy and acceptable payment for our sin. The Bible says that the only just payment for sin is death. But he took it for us. God accepts. um, We have to accept God's forgiveness and the free gift of eternal life. We cannot earn it. You can't earn it by doing these good things. It's a free gift from God and it's a part of his forgiveness. And if we do that, then we can grow closer to God every day. What's that summary look like? We need to know the truth in the church, in your own lives, in your own mind, in your own marriage. Best part of my day is when I get to work, open up my utmost for his highest, and I read a little devotion, and then I get my Bible out. It doesn't matter how pressing my work is, which I tell you is very pressing at times. I'm overwhelmed to pick up my Bible before I even turn my computer on because I just want to turn it on and get going. And then I read that word and every day it transforms me with his truth. That's part of my day. You are an antichrist if you deny Jesus is Christ. To know Jesus is that's the only way to the Father. You can't get to know God if you don't know Jesus. Sometimes back in my own mind I hear, but, 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 but there's no but. You don't know God if you don't know Jesus. The Antichrist are those who were opposing the church, were claiming that they had faith in God, but not in Jesus. So the, even the early church, some parts of the early church, even some parts of the Jewish um, Believers, they deny Christ. They became Antichrist. You can't have God without Jesus. So we're anointed with the Holy Spirit that guides us, convicts us, helps us to understand the truth and wrongdoing. There will always be deceivers in the church in opposition to Christ. They're always going to be in the church. Contrary to modern ideas, there are not multiple truths. There aren't. You'll hear it every day. Listen for it. They'll tell you there's all these other ways to get stuff in life, but there's not. That's a man-made truth. We know who made the world. We know God spoke it into existence. It's his world. It's his rules. It's his way. All right? His truth and his view of the world and his gospel. That's the truth. We don't need to worry if people leave the church because if they do... And they're real Christians. Guess what? The Holy Spirit's going to convict them. And he'll put, God will put them where he needs to be for his plans and his glory, not ours. So I mean we don't love people or we call them or go out on the steps and say, Antichrist! Off the top of the stairs as they rubble out and huff and a puff. No. John was also known as the apostle of love, all right? And he did things with love. It has to be done with love. 
It hurts when people are opposed to Christ. It hurts when people are opposed to God. It hurts when people are opposed to believers. We're called to act in love and to submit to God. Not to them, not to the stress and the worry and the fear. Called to submit to God and know that he is in control. He might actually call us to do something and he may not. He may which winner is. Tell this fellow about me now. He might not. We have to just submit to him. We do actually have to be discerning when people teach in our church or teach our believers. We don't just sit there when Derek or me or Rob comes here and just lap it up, whatever they say. You have to discern. If we're preaching anything other than the gospel that we know and that Jesus taught, that God made and the apostles taught, we know that they're actually being a false teacher or another way of saying they've been an antichrist. They're opposing God. If we, uh, there are people in the church watching over you and that are protecting you, who love you, as you probably watch over them and love them and protect them. And the Bible tells us that there are trials and tribulations coming and it's all good because Jesus is victorious. <laughs> and he has one. He's got a plan and we don't need to worry. What is the gospel? We're all sinners. And we must see ourselves as sinners before a holy God. That's the truth. Anything other than that's a lie. We're sinners. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. Alright? And we're before a holy God. Alright? The just penalty for that sin is death. Spiritual death. Separation from our physical body and our spiritual body. So our human body and the Holy Spirit. Physical death, separation of the spirit from the body. When you die, your body stays here and your spirit goes on. And eternal death. Alright? Separation from God for all eternity. What worse hell can you think of than the absence of of God for eternity. Think about how bad it is being stuck in this flesh tent now. Imagine the whole eternity without it. We're coming to an end and we're going to be in something much better. It ain't going to be this sloppy thing that I'm wearing. Sinners can't save themselves. You can't go on any retreat and it might do you good to sit under a tree without speaking and eating for 14 days. But it won't save you. Only Jesus Christ saves sinners. He's the only one. Nothing else. Jesus Christ saves them. No one's works can save them. You cannot get to heaven by being good. There is only one that can save you from your sin, and that's Jesus Christ. He died to pay a penalty for your sin, for my sin. He resurrected from the dead. He overcame dead and he became Lord over all things. And finally, as sinners, we need to repent and receive Jesus Christ. So we need to turn away from sin. Whatever it is that we trust for our salvation, being good, dropping off cakes to the neighbours, being kind to people when they're sad, it doesn't get us anywhere. It doesn't earn you anything. 
It's lovely to do, but it should be a, it should be overflow out of the work Christ does in you. And you do it because not because you think it's going to get you anything, but because it's who you are now. It's who you are. It's it's a it's a, a natural motivation in your heart to do that for other people. Why? Because you've been overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. We need to receive Christ as Lord and Savior. All right. There's going to come a time where every knee will bow, whether you like it or not. Every knee is going to bend. But right now, we've got a choice. Jesus called out my name, and I still remember hiding under my bed from my old man praying to Jesus. Right? And I went to him when I needed him, and I was in my little hidey spots, but the minute it was A-OK, guess what? Little five-year-old rogues went back to his life. And I did that my whole life until I was about 28. And I received him. He didn't go anywhere. He's still knocking on my door. But I made a choice. I said, okay, I'll let you. And that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That is the truth. Anything other than that is a lie. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confess it is made unto salvation. Jesus Christ will save you. He will reach down into the fiery pit where you're all going to be sinking without him and where I'd be sinking without him and he would rip you out. And he would take you to the best place that you could ever imagine if you say that you're my Lord, you know it and you own it in your heart and you believe in him, you'll be saved. That is the truth. And anything other than that's a lie. And it's out there. I really encourage you to think about it. You don't need to say anything to those people. There might come a time when the Holy Spirit says, you're going to say something right now. You might sit through a hundred of those conversations and the Holy Spirit says, listen. But know all of these things in the world that come through us, it's advertised daily on Facebook, in the media, it's on the billboard posters. That's the lie. It's not the truth. The only thing that matters in this world is Jesus Christ, knowing him, knowing him as Lord in your heart, confessing that he is Lord. Um, because at the end of the day, everything here is going to rot, wilt and waste. But he will be there forever. And when you know him, guess what? You'll be there with him. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we, we thank you so much that um, you ensured your truth would reach us here in the future so far ahead of where Paul wrote this, uh, John, sorry, wrote this, this letter, Lord. And um, we thank you so much that you are in control of, of this world and this church, of us in here, Lord. We, we're so thankful that you, you'd love us and think about us and, and have a forethought for all these things to protect us. Um, we thank you so much for calling us out so that all of your amazing sacrifice um, wouldn't be for naught, that you weren't just some 
inspired fellow or prophet that just that Jesus just hung on the cross and faded away. We thank you so much that you would send him here as man and God um, and that he would die, but that he would also be raised again from the dead. And that not only did he overcome death, but he overcame this world um, and nothing in it, no demon, no demonic power, no antichrist, nothing, nothing can overcome him. Lord, we just thank you so much that we know um, you and we have a hope in you and we have a hope in your word um, that you documented so long ago for us, Lord. We thank you so much for these words that are so encouraging um, and to know that we are believers. I have no doubt in my mind that I'm going to be with you in heaven one day and, oh, man, sometimes I can't wait. Um, we love you so much and we thank you so much for saving us. We thank you so much for your truth. I ask, Lord, that you put your hand on every believer in this building and you help them see your truth every day, Lord, and that you help them see the world's false truths that creep into our minds, that creep into our hearts. Lord, help me see it every day. I know I know that I believe lies every day and I've got to write the lie and the lie, uh, it's, it's wrong. I need to remind myself of your truth, Lord. We need to speak your truth. We need to know your gospel and speak at all times, Lord. We, we love you and we just thank you so much for your protection and your guidance and we ask you to continue to help this country to flourish, Lord. We want this land to be known as God's country, Lord. We want Durambandi to be known as God's country, that it's yours, Lord, that you, you are Lord here, Lord. Not because we say it, because you are, but we ask you, you to help us to be a part of uh, people understanding that this is yours, Lord. We love you so much. Thank you so much for this time today, Lord. We ask you to bless us today as we go out in fellowship and have a feed after this. But yeah, we love you and we just thank you so much for everything, Lord. We ask this in your beautiful name. Amen.